Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Day. With me, my co-host, Ashley McLennan. And we're back to talk about a whole bunch of news today that, uh, unfortunately, none of which was particularly unexpected. But uh, we'll, get into, we'll get into a whole bunch of uh, topics along that line tonight. Ashley, how are we doing? Apart from the uh, kitten, not- kitten mauling you. <laughs> <laughs> not, not too bad. That's a warning for everybody on the podcast. There may be sudden exclamations of pain. Um, I just adopted a kitten a week and a half ago. Uh, and he is at the bitey, clawy, climby stage, so everything is pain. Ah, uh, yes, yes, he's just a just a ball of nails right now. A cute ball yeah. of nails, fortunately. Cute, cute, tiny talon machine, like a little whirlwind of of spite, <laughs> <laughs> stabbing <laughs> pain. And, yes, and fluff. Yes, I'm like covered head to toe in claw marks. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, I, I like that you said you adopted him, not that you rescued him, because yeah, I'm, I'm a little over the whole like everybody, you know. But they're they're we rescued him. It's like you know, okay, you, you didn't well, you didn't in, rescue him from in, drowning in a lake or you know pull him out of a burning in, building or something. <laughs> you know what else? I- uh, in Nutmeg's case, it kind of is a rescue, and that he was found in the woods, and he had experienced some physical trauma. Oh yeah, that and counts then. Yeah, all right. He definitely needed to be taken in, and like the the people that had taken him to the vet couldn't keep him because he was being kept in a dirty barn. And so I did rescue him. I uh, think. All right, I think that counts then. Yeah, that's legit. I mean, when you had adopt a cat from like a shelter you don't have to spend like several hours out of your day cleaning their stitches and <laughs> making sure they're. <laughs> Their cone is cleaned once a day and doing eye drops. So I think rescue counts here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The poor cone of shame. Poor buddy. Yeah. Does he have a name yet? Yeah. Nutmeg. Oh, yeah. He is Nutmeg. Okay. I thought that might have been yeah. the, just the, the, the user name for a little while. <laughs> to no. Give him a... no. Nutmeg is what I called him. He goes also uh, by Nugget. I call him. Oh, yeah. Nugget. Nugget a lot. I call him um, Boo Bear. You know how cats are. They have one assigned name and then a thousand earned nicknames. Yeah, exactly. Yep, all mine have, have been that way, like, to the point where, yeah, I almost never, never just use their actual name. Yeah. yeah it's true. So, here we are with uh, with baseball to kind of talk about. Um, let's say the Tigers... Um, yeah, by the time this airs, players will be reporting to camp. Yep, yep. Um, summer camp, as they're calling it, is about to about to get, get started at Comerica. Um, when is that? Friday? I think some teams are starting as early as the first. Oh, okay. So some are going to start so I, on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's the Happy Canada Day. Uh, I think it's oh, yeah. somewhere between the first and the third most teams are showing up. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that is cool. And, um, you know, we're trying to be excited about it, but we're also balancing that with, um, as we'll discuss later, the, the you know, whatever likelihood you think it is that um, there's just an outbreak that unfortunately shuts this whole thing down. Maybe before it begins. Um, sorry to you know, sorry to be a downer, folks, but you know we're just gonna have to keep it real here. <laughs> but uh, but let's start with the the happy news, which is that the Tigers did sign Spencer Torkelson today, um, their first overall pick in the 2020 draft. Um, it was not unexpected, although it has taken a little bit of a while, and you know that was apparently because you know it takes Scott Boris a little extra time to shake literally every nickel out of Chris, <laughs> Chris Illich's pockets um, on this one. Um, the Tigers paid uh, paid him. $8.4 million, which breaks the previous record of $8.1 um, that uh, Adley Rushman got from the Orioles last year. Um, Casey Mize in 2018 got, I think, 7.5. I believe he signed a little bit under slot. But basically, it took the Tigers like um, into the penalty a little bit, but just not quite to the point where they would like lose a pick or have those long-term penalties. Um, they came within $23,000 
um, according to our own Patrick Kennedy, who is quite trustworthy on all these issues, um, of being more than 5% over their, their bonus pool. Um, so they went over the bonus pool by 643000 and paid a tax of 482000 but they managed to keep it just under the wire. And I'm sure, you know, Scott Boris had, had that all figured out in advance down to the last penny, and he got, mm-hmm. got all of it. So, I mean, that's that's cool. I mean, we, we expected that, and um, it does, I believe, the Tigers have already announced that um, Spencer Torkelson will be in summer camp. Um, so, that should be cool. Like, I, we don't really know what to expect. I'm, sh- I'm sure we're all just kind of grasping at straws here as to what the what the coverage is going to be like from, from media or cameras on the field and that sort of thing. So, I don't know what kind of footage we're actually going to going to get, but but you can at least expect some, you know... Maggie and Torkelson, you know, hitting next to each other back to back in batting practice, you know, shots um, on Instagram or something along those lines, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm assuming we'll probably see a little bit more from the players, actually. I would almost imagine that they would ease up a little bit on players sharing stuff. Yeah. um, Only because, obviously, the media is going to be so deeply limited um, as to what they can be there for. And especially during the summer camp phase, I don't know how many beat writers are actually going to get to be on scene for stuff like that um and how much they'll be able to share you know photo wise and all of that so um i'm hoping i think it'd be a good idea to keep a close eye on on player pages and kind of see what we get from there um i'm looking forward to it i i as much as I am, I think, a bit of a negative Nelly about this season and that I don't think it's going to actually either happen or get to 60 games. Um, I am so excited to see baseball players yeah. back on a field. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a very, like, troubling dichotomy in me where I'm just like, I need baseball so bad. But also, you know, you hear Dr. Fauci talking about reaching 100,000 cases a day and you're like, how do you have sports in this? Yeah. Like, how can you reasonably decide to try and operate a season and that kind of of thing so um it is you know column a and column b yeah exactly i mean it's you know everything i've i've thought to write over the past two months is just like you you can't write any article about any topic that we would normally write about you have to write two articles in one which is like where you keep you have to keep like all these unfortunate and terrible possibilities in, in mind and not oversell it i mean i don't you know i i want to be enthusiastic because baseball's coming back but I'm planning on writing about, you know, the rotation and, you know, what the Tigers could do if they actually decided to try to take advantage of the, the you know, the pure chaos that's going to go down no matter what um, and try to win. You know, there's certain things they could do using the, the prospects to probably bolster the pitching staff um, along the way. But you also have to keep putting in mind that, like, you know, this first of all, this might not work. And second of all, like part of my logic is that there's going to be a ton of dudes who get sick and, you know, a a team that loses, you know, three or four of its, you know, star players, you know, for a couple weeks or, you know, or have to go on the 60 day COVID IL or whatever could totally take them out of the running. I mean, it's, we've never seen any situation like this. And if they do manage to get through 60 games, I have to believe that the results are going to be just a a complete, you know, just surprise um, one way or the other. Cause yeah, it's just, it's just a crapshoot. So much of that, you know, so much of who wins is going to be determined by, who manages to stay healthy? I mean, so I'm, are we yeah. gonna are we gonna now do projections for responsibility? Like, um, which players, which teams have more veteran players that have more sway with younger players that can convince them, you know, to to not go out to bars and you know to, to keep it tight? Um, all, all those well, things are impossible to to quantify in any way. And the other thing you have to look at too is that we are 
we're starting to see players opting out. And so far it has only been four players, but it's hard when you're looking at teams and you're going, okay, well, the key to success for any of these teams is to have a strong bullpen and to like have reliable arms and to know that you can get through a stretch. But when you start to see your reliable arms saying, no, uh, you know, my dad's a cancer survivor and I don't feel like putting anybody in my family at risk or my wife's pregnant and I don't feel like exposing her or our young children to anything. You, you, you have to respect that decision. Like I, I have zero, um, you know, bad feelings towards any player that's like, no, this is unhealthy and stupid. And we're not going to have much tolerance just for people who are listening on the site, for people who want to yell and scream about guys opting out. Um, (laughs) Cause uh, yeah, we don't know anybody's circumstances. You know, you've got players with, yeah. You know, wives, children with autoimmune diseases, like, do they have to, like, you know, lay out their entire medical history for us to judge judge them on whether or not no, they, and should, they shouldn't, you know, we're not going to do that kind of stuff. So, yeah, keep that in mind. They shouldn't have to explain why. They could just think it's a terrible idea. And for them to opt out but for, when it's not themselves at high risk, I think it's players at high risk and players with pregnant wives are allowed to opt out and still get paid. Yeah. Um, but anybody who opts out because a family member is high risk isn't paid for the season so i think rather than saying negative things about them it's pretty it's it's a tough call and they are giving up their pay for that season to make that choice and i don't think it's fair for anybody to say you know well what's your medical reasoning behind it or to say oh they're walking away from the money like i I don't think it's fair to shame them or to make them explain themselves well you know it'll be the same people who who scream that the players only care about money will then turn around and be like they don't even care about the money (laughs) you know they don't care about the game is then or their teammates will be what they you know now say about guys who walk away from the money for this reason well what was it daniel hudson who went to his his baby's birth during the postseason and people we're all like, oh, he's he doesn't care about the game, and yep. uh, he's a terrible player. And I'm like, my God, yep. he wanted to be there for the birth of his child. And we all know, like, you know that there's the 10% of the population that is just going to say, you know, garbage things and trash about literally anything, and and just needs to be, you know, needs to be largely just ignored. But uh, but yeah, it it just comes up too much that that kind of stuff, um, even from people who are otherwise seemingly normal, sane individuals, um, based on what we can tell via social media. So, yeah, we're, we're going to shut all that down. I, I don't want to hear any of that. Good. Proper. I love it. But I don't even remember what my point was before I went off on that rant. So well, that's just classic, that, Ashley. No, you. no, there it is. I mean, just that we don't know, you know, we, there's it's just a crapshoot. I mean, oh, come back. That, like, but that, I think my point, what I was getting at, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> when I started this discussion 20 minutes ago, um, was that we can't really for certain say what those team structures are going to look like, even with the 16 man roster. Yeah. Like somebody like a Sean Doolittle tomorrow could be like, you know what guys, I'm not playing. And then suddenly the nationals are out one of their like, you know, standard relievers. So for teams that are really relying on having a consistent and healthy core to get through 60 games, um, it's going to be a really tricky season for that because already I'd say at least 10 of the 30 teams, if not more, have had active cases Yeah. and multiple active cases. And that includes the Tigers. Yep. And I don't see a way that you can control it and have a bubble so secure that people aren't going to get it. Yeah. I mean, I, I find that, I mean, I find it hard to believe as well. Um, and yeah, it just comes down to, you know, 
I, you don't want to talk about it in these terms because, you know, it, for some people, it may be a matter of life and death. Um, for others, it may be a matter of, you know, serious long-term health consequences. And for most, Absolutely. and for most, it probably won't be, you know, for most people, people, it'll be like getting, you know, getting a really gnarly flu and, and getting over it. But, um, you know, you don't want to, you can't take it lightly. So while I would like to suggest to people that like, Hey, what if, you know, if Garrett Cole gets sick while wow, the Yankees uh, chances are really gone, it just feels incredibly callous uh, to even like speculate along those lines, even though we can't help ourselves. And yeah, that, that dichotomy between, um, you know, trying to think through all the possibilities and also keep in mind that, you know, we're, we're talking about the, the life and well being of, of actual humans um, is is just a, a tricky thing to balance right now, and so if you're not seeing a lot, you know, being written by us or some of the other sites, you know, that you normally follow, um, we're, we're kind of hearing all this, you know, being discussed behind the scenes as well from a lot of different writers and and media people, and it's just something everyone is is struggling to grapple with. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just going to be it, the whole situation is going to be weird, um, and of course, the potential exists that you know by mid July one team has so many cases that they, they can't feel the team and then the whole thing goes to hell. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of where we're at. And, you know, there, there's kind of no way around the, the, the situation as is. So, um, and we'll get back into it, into that a little bit more. We'll start, we'll talk about the taxi squad and the, um, you know, the, the 60 man roster total that the Tigers have put together or the player pool. However, uh, <laughs> everybody's improvising with descriptions of these things because they're not standard uh, MLB terms anymore. But I like um, that it's a, player pool at yeah sounds nice summer camp it? though like, yeah one thing i will say cool. one thing i can say i think at least for my fellow michiganders is that um the, the weather so far over the last two months has just been a godsend because like i don't know how we would have made it if it would have been one of those springs where it's just either pouring rain or we're getting weird like snow squalls and cold weather instead it's frankly been glorious um the, the past two months and being able to get outside has uh has made me feel a lot better um you know i'd suggest that for everybody you know, it's nice to be able to go out and, and just do your thing. Um, I haven't been wearing a mask outside unless I'm someplace where there's going to be a ton of people. Um, I only wear it to go into the store for the most part or to work. Um, so, yeah, for the I don't know how everybody else is doing things out there. I hope you're wearing a mask at least, for the love of God, when you go into, you know, inside where there are any mm-hmm. any strangers. Please, God, if we can all just do, just do that, we could probably sort this thing out and save our economy um in in under three months uh, but we but we just know you know people aren't going to be necessarily responsible with it you know there's tons of skepticism about whether or not it's effective or any of that just do it it's simple if we could all just do this one simple thing and stop complaining um maybe we could uh, make some real progress here and and get the rest of us um you know and our spoiled selves um some baseball to watch please <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. or you know just to return to something resembling a normal life yeah that would be you know that would be nice um you know just so we can get through the rest of uh, 2020 and it's uh you know whatever curses it, it holds in store ahead um <laughs> i saw somebody say we've now reached Juman. <laughs> level seven yep. and i'm i'm terrified yep yep i and, and people are reaching a little bit um for the uh, the apocalyptic signs and wonders but um you know i mean the murder hornets thing was a little overblown the um the dust cloud from the sahara that was going to envelop us all and choke us to death seems to me to be somewhat <laughs> overblown but you know there was an asteroid wrongs, that missed us by a couple yep. hundred thousand miles yep. you, know, fall billion sky, miles. you know i won't be i won't be shocked you know I'll be like oh, okay there's the frogs all right <laughs> so yeah, um, now the, the plague, unfortunately, that has uh, that has struck 
baseball resulted in the entire minor league season being canceled today. Um, we, we all knew that was going to happen, but um, that was finally officially announced. And it really sucks, obviously, for a lot of players, um, you know, people who go to those games. It sucks for baseball in general. Um, we, we've kind of talked about the way owners and the league have been attacking the minor leagues and wanting to cut costs there and reduce the number of players. Um, and that was probably all going to happen anyway. And this is just, you know, accelerating it and also providing a convenient excuse for, for teams to go ahead and, you know, in the league to probably go ahead and reorganize things the way that they really wanted to in the first place. So I think, you know, we, we may have to kiss, you know, a team like the Erie Seawolves goodbye. Um, the Connecticut Tigers are probably gone. Um, these things happen. The minor leagues are, are a changing structure that has never been, been fixed, but, um, but it is kind of a drag to see it end like this. Um, if that's ultimately how it goes, it, it felt like Erie was going to be transferred to a different franchise anyway, because they want to group team, teams more geographically. Um, maybe they can find some way of, of putting a double A team in, in Michigan, maybe in Grand Rapids or, or Lansing, um, possibly something along those lines, uh, maybe up in, I don't know, maybe up in Midland. But, um, but I mean, one way or the other, the, the way we've kind of, you know, seen the minor leagues operate over the last, you know, 20 years or so is, is definitely going to change. And it's kind of just going out with a whimper because there's no baseball and, um, yeah, it sucks. And a lot of, a lot of young guys are being forced by this into a real difficult, difficult choice, whether or not they want to try to play a little bit of independent ball, which apparently some teams are going to allow, whether or not they're just going to try to practice on their own and hopefully come back you know, next year and, and find work or whether or not they're just, you know, a lot of them, if, if you don't really have much of a chance to make the, the major leagues are probably going to have to bite the bullet and, and move on with their lives and careers in, in other, other fields, I'm afraid. So that's kind of where we are. Yeah. It, it really, you know, it really does, does suck. Um, for people out there who aren't really familiar with the minor league structure, like you know, major league teams license their players basically to the, to the independent minor league franchises, and those franchises, like the Sea Wolves or the Whitecaps, um, they operate themselves. They run the games and the scheduling, and you know the stadium and the concessions and the gate and the marketing, all that stuff themselves. And basically, all their all their profit comes through the gate because it comes in the form of ticket sales, merchandise, and concessions, which is you know the way that the structure used to be in the major leagues, but you know has long since relegated those those items to a more minor part of uh, of major league revenue. But in the minor leagues, without that, you can't survive. And so there's really no way that they that they could they could do this um, without being able to have fans. And then you also have the fact that the, you know a team like the Tigers, as an example, have most of their top prospects going directly to the summer camp. Um, to be backups, and as a result, like none of those minor league teams was really going to have the the star you know, prospect talent to, to promote either. Um, so yeah, the whole thing is just unfortunately, uh, untenable and, um, I'm not really sure what's going to happen to the guys who aren't on the, the taxi squad. The Tigers do still have, you know, prospects like, I think, I don't think Wenzel Perez made, made the taxi squad. I'll have to, to check real quick, but, um, but Parker Meadows, um, some of these guys who are, are talented, but young, I'm not really sure if they're going to be able to play or not. They're still talking about maybe having instructional ball sometime this year, but, uh, I'm not really sure if that's going to come off or not. <clears throat> so here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I know it kills me, and I know I don't know if I've mentioned before on the our, our last podcast or not, but like there's been an ongoing series on Baseball Prospectus where they're featuring some of the teams that were at risk, some of those 42, 43 teams. Yeah, actually, all of them. They're doing an individual focus on all of them, and it's just really sad to see 
these teams that are kind of at the heart of the small towns or like smaller cities in which they, they live in are, are just going to vanish because it's not part of the MLB money-making scheme anymore. And it's heartbreaking. And I look at a team like something stupid, like the, you know, the River City, what is it? The, the Rocket City tr- Trash Pandas or whatever it is that was supposed yep. to have their debut year. or an Angels affiliate. And a buddy of mine ordered some merch from them. And he's like, man, now what is this going to be like a collector's item? Like, is this team ever going to actually get to play? Yeah. And Maybe it'll be like uh, backwards printed baseball cards or something and worth something. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. Exactly. It's going to be like a weird little anomaly. I hope not because what a great team name. Yeah. And really good. Merch, but yeah. And, and like the Connecticut such... Tigers switched to Norwich, right? They yeah. were going to be the Norwich. Yeah. Nor- Nor- the, Norwales? the sea. The, no, the sea oh, unicorns. Oh, right, the sea unicorns one. That's right. I voted for that very hard. Thank you. I ran that campaign. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I couldn't remember which one had won, and yet I'm actually oh. star- because I I bought a narwhal, like a plush. Uh, yeah. But you know, a narwhal and a sea unicorn is the same thing. But unfortunately, we don't have that team. Like that that team is 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 probably gone now because I think the New York State Pen League, if they haven't officially announced it already, is is basically defunct. So yeah, that's well, another one. Some- they disappear yeah that's another bummer um that's another one we're losing there but yeah you know we've talked a lot about the way you know mlb and the owners have have really failed i think over the last you know decade to kind of follow through on a lot of their promises to to try to you know grow the game in america and start to rebuild its popularity and that's got to happen you know it's got to happen in the inner city and it's also got to happen you know way out in rural america where the only teams anyone has access to are a lot of these these minor league franchises that probably aren't yeah. going to be there anymore um and whether or not independent league ball can can fill any of that void i don't i don't really know i don't have a ton of I ton of confidence it but does maybe a little some bit. yeah like you look at Amer- american maybe. association ball which is the only indie league i think that's operational right now and they're actually having games and i think they're actually having fans at games i think they are um, and, they, and it starts like in two days if i'm not mistaken yeah, yeah. and it they're operating at 20 percent capacity for fans which i think is i mean i think it's a terrible idea to have fans at baseball games this year but i don't make decisions um but that's where my team plays right like the the winnipeg gold eyes play in the american association yeah and they'll be playing out of fargo this year obviously because you can't travel by by car or bus between Winnipeg, anywhere in Canada and the U.S. right now. Right. Um, but I think that'll be very interesting to watch. Like, obviously, with Major League Ball coming back at the end of this month, that's what we're looking forward to. But I think with American Association Ball starting, like you said, in two days, um, I think it does give us a little bit of a preview over what that kind of situation could look like. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, you know, there's like, what, the Traverse the Traverse City Cherry Spitters, or the Pit Spitters, excuse me. Um, You know, I mean, there are teams that I know people follow and and pay some attention to, and and maybe if, if they can, you know, find a way to market themselves... You know they can they can fill some of that void, but it, but it's really hard when you don't have you, you know at least like some major league exposure and you know and the kind of prospect talent that mm-hmm. will occasionally draw everyone out. You know, I mean, there's a whole bunch of people in Indiana who got to see Wander Franco, who might turn out to be you know the, the next Mike Trout, one of the best baseball player. players of a generation. Yeah. yeah, you know, and could go see him for you know ten fifteen bucks and and probably get you know a dollar hot dog and a uh, dollar beer at the same time. Um, you know, some of those opportunities are unfortunately going to be lost. Um, you know, I, I do think that there, it's probably a decent argument that we didn't need this many minor league systems to produce major league caliber talent, 
mm-hmm. but you know, but there's still those guys who fall through the cracks, and we, and we all know that you know Major League Baseball hasn't done a particularly good job of of recruiting the best athletes um, in a lot of the places that you know I've just discussed. Like you know, among black athletes, you just don't see the same number that you used to. Um, it, it doesn't seem like a viable option for, for as many guys as, as it used to. And well, obviously if you're, if you're tall enough to play basketball or if you can play football at a D one program, you're going to go do that. But there's a lot of guys who, who don't fit into those frameworks who are good athletes and baseball yeah. is losing those guys. And they're also losing the guys that aren't in the baseball hotbreds, you know, hot, hot beds, excuse me. Um, you know, in like SoCal and Texas and Arizona and Florida, like all the all the guys in the vast uh, middle of America, the breadbasket, all these rural mm-hmm. communities, um, you know, they're not doing as well promoting the sport there. Um, so, I don't know between between those those two, you know, town and country, if we want if we want to put it that way, <laughs> or city and country, um, you know, baseball's become kind of a wealthy suburbanite, you know, sport for parents who can afford to pay for advanced instruction and all the travel and all that kind of thing. And this, this definitely doesn't improve matters in that regard. I'm afraid. No. And if, especially if you look at something like the way scouting is going to have to work going on this year, they're really limiting a, the number of scouts teams have going out and the way in which they're capable of scouting, because the same level of, of available play to watch just isn't there. Yeah. So then you have to look at something where those young guys that are getting seen are the ones that can afford stuff like perfect game and can afford to be on those like travel squads. And then, so what you are seeing is just like you said, it's like, you know, the rich, mostly white middle, like middle to upper class folks that can afford that lifestyle and people who are talented are going to get lost. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, and, and that's probably been going on for a while and, and this is only going to exacerbate the problem, unfortunately. So yeah, I don't know. That's a big problem. You know, that's a big problem for baseball. And it, it really feels like even before all this happened, you, you know, baseball owners right now are in a very smash and grab state of mind where they don't seem to be thinking much more than, you know, five years down the road. Um, it seems to be much more about how can we squeeze more out of the product than, than that we have than it does about, yeah, trying to grow interest in the game to sustain things in the long term. I mean, baseball's growing, obviously, like internationally, baseball's growing um, very well. But if the popularity continues to decline here, then you're looking at more of, of some kind of a, you know, maybe something like a, a football, like a, a soccer um, style style arrangement where maybe international league play is more is more of a thing someday maybe a decade down the road i don't really know or you see something more like a world baseball classic become the norm yeah yeah become the you know the big deal um which i think to a lot of us would be kind of i mean a lot of people would think that was really cool um and i think that you know there's merits to that approach either but it feels like it's just it's just sort of happening um there's no no focus or or intent behind it. Um, it's just kind of going that way while the sport is is unfortunately still fading here. Um, so, and you know, and, and baseball has its own problems as far as the rules go because there's a very big split seemingly between um, old school. I don't know. I'm 45. Um, grew up you know outside of Detroit. Played little league. You know, played a little bit in high school before I washed out. Like people who are older than me don't like the rules changes that are that are designed to attract younger younger people and i'm not sure that the younger people really care about those rule changes but they're Mm -hmm. more interested in like the player culture like being allowed to be more fun and expressive um and there's a lot of sort of the stodgy older folks still don't really want want any of that you know are really big into the you know not just being a team player but 
but showing and acting like a team player at all times and not, you know, not having any of your own sort of swag and, and playing the right way. Yeah. I mean that, you know, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a, you know, that phrase, you know, could, could apply to some good things, but it tends to be applied mostly um, erroneously to um, anyone trying to have some fun out there. So, which doesn't help, Mm -hmm. uh, help the younger crowd who is used to, you know, like the social media presence and, um, you know, and celebrations of, of younger athletes in football, basketball, and some of the other sports that are, that are kind of growing. So I think Ashley and I, yeah, we, we, both of us really hope that the league kind of turns this over to the players a little bit as far as like mm-hmm. marketing themselves, because the league just doesn't seem capable of doing it. Um, and there's so many fun players who, if they get the chance to express themselves, you know, via, you know, when they do it on social media, it's great. But also we've seen like just this spring when they experimented with having, um, having more guys mic'd up, that it was just amazing. Like oh, my, the, I loved it. Like, the banter that Would goes you... on between baseball players on the field is just so fun, let alone them, like, talking smack to the Here's announcers an idea. Mid, mid at bat, like uh, Freddie Freeman was doing, which is awesome. Since since guys can't be in a dugout, I th- think it might be fun to mic them in the stands. Yeah. As they're watching games to give their kind of running commentary of things as it's happening. Oh, yeah, because you know it's just going to be hilarious. Like, you're, yeah, you're going to find out like, a lot about the personalities on the team while they... talk yeah. and, like, you know, well, whatever is fit to be put on air. But, like, I, I feel like that would just be a lot of fun and it would kind of make up for the lack of crowd noise. Yeah, yep. Like, you would have something entertaining to look forward to. Yep. You'd have the two sides too. You'd have both teams with, you know, their extra players in the stands, no doubt, like making bets with each other, talking smack, um, you know, doing weird standoffs like they do after the national anthem and all that, all that kind of, you know, goofy nonsense would be super helpful. I think to, to take the edge off of how weird it's going to be with baseball being played in, in quiet stadiums, you know, and you know, every team's got a dude, who can't help himself but want to like be the reporter and, and interview each other and goof around that way yeah. or do the the mock play by play all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean I think that could that could definitely help um, make this a little bit more because it's going to be weird no matter what, but entertainingly weird would is all we can hope for. I think. Yeah. So yeah, so there we are. Um, I don't know what what's going to happen with the minor leagues in the future. Uh, it won't surprise me if they end up trimming a, another league beyond the short season really feels like we're kind of going to go to where it's like a boutique set of three full season leagues for the really good prospects. And then everybody mm-hmm. else just kind of stays at instructs with the, with the teenagers and the international free agent kids until, you know, until they break out and are ready to go play some full season ball. It feels like that's, that's just where, where it's going to go, um, whether we like it or not. So. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like I hate it. Um, but I also hate change and I hate everything that's happened to baseball in the last <laughs> five years. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. I think we're going to see a trimmed down version, but at the same time, and as much as it, it pains me to say it, you might end up just seeing more exciting things happening at a prospect level because of that quote unquote trimming of the fat, right? Yeah. Like, so suddenly you have maybe, yeah, like you said, three teams, like you have your, your single A full season, your double A, your triple A. Yeah. And you just have really good players and really exciting prospects at all those levels. Yeah. I, I wonder, and I hate to say it, but I wonder if it creates more excitement about minor league baseball at that point, because mm-hmm. it's easier to follow such a slimmed down number of players. And it's easier to then kind of keep an eye on what's happening with those players at only three extra teams. Um, it, it just makes me, it makes me wonder 
it, it, I mean, I'm not saying it's a good idea, but it does make me wonder if people will find it more interesting. Yeah, and I, and I should point out to people, like, I don't know that, that regular season A is going to go away the way it is now, or, or like, move to Florida. Um, I hope the West Michigan Whitecaps and the Midwest League are, are still active for years to come. Um, this is just the way things are trending, and, and the more we hear about the way teams are evaluating, you know, players and the way they want to run their, their farm systems. Um, it just feels like that, that, that stuff is all, all kind of coming down the road, but, um, yeah, you know, and you and I have talked about this as well. Like, um, you know, following prospects has kind of become like the, the, the hot indie band, uh, you know, pathway <laughs> uh, for fans. I knew know. him before he was in the major. Yep, exactly. I, you know, I, I was on that guy before anybody like, you know, following prospects and, and doing that kind of, you know, following the scouts online, all that kind of stuff buying guys gear from, you know, having, yeah, you know, whoever it is, having Riley Green's West Michigan Whitecaps jersey, you know, is going to be a badge of honor at Comerica Park, you know, four or five years from now. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, there are, you know, there's a lot more interest and it seems like the league, you know, I mean, they're kind of using the cut down in number of players um, to sort of, you know, cushion paying them more, probably not substantially more, but more. Um and, and some of those changes have been announced already as well. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think there are ways they could do it and kind of have like, even have like a futures league where maybe, you, maybe you would oh, just have like, fun. yeah, you just had, you know, rather than just the futures game, you would take all like the best prospects in the game that were above like the double A level and do like a little tournament or something at the end of the year. Sort of like an Arizona fall league thing, yeah. but like a futures league. Yeah. Something like that. We'll would be really into cool. that. Yeah. I think people would love that. So and maybe that way you can extend, you know, some baseball interest, um, you know, well into the fall. I mean, obviously they adjusted the Arizona Fall League to now where it's like September and part of October instead of mostly taking place October, November. But you could still do something like that um, and have it almost be like a winter, a winter league thing or like, you know, something that happens right after the postseason ends for a month. Um, that kind of wraps up Absolutely. guys' seasons, and I, people would love that. You know, I, I, I would definitely be all about that. And I know well, a, lot any, of, a lot of our fans that gives would. you extra baseball. Yeah, exactly. Especially with the guys that you know that you're interested in, and you know, like, yeah, who doesn't want to, you know, turn on the TV in November and see, you know, Spencer Torkelson and Matt Manning and all these dudes, you know, playing out there against the other top prospects somewhere in, in warm weather someplace. <laughs> like that sounds great to me. I'd yeah, take that I, right now. Actually, I'd, awesome. I'd rather have that than the, than the major league season we're likely to have, I think. But yeah. So, I mean, there are, there are opportunities maybe. Um, I, I just hope that, yeah, somewhere within the ownership ranks, there are some people kind of, you know, taking responsibility or thinking about the long-term health of the game on, on all these fronts. And, uh, you know, changing the path a little bit because it's it's just felt like kind of a relentless uh, grinding down of of all those sorts of parts of the game and 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 fan interest in in some ways. So, yeah, here's hoping. I guess we'll just continue to keep yelling at everyone on Twitter anyway. So that, I'm sure that's helpful. <laughs> Loudly sharing my opinions is what Twitter was for. Mm -hmm. um, before we kind of wrap it up here, let's talk um, Taxi Squad a little bit because I think it's it's pretty interesting to see who who they picked. Um, like like just the fact that they got six catchers. Like obviously you need that many catchers, um, you know, in a camp to to handle all the the bullpen sessions and all that kind of stuff. But once you pick all these guys, um, you know, you're a couple a couple of illnesses, a couple of COVID cases or injuries away, and we always have injuries in spring training. But now you add COVID to it, you're you're not that far from a lot of these guys. Not only you know kind of 
being chosen by the team to play, but having to play. Um, and that might extend all the way to guys like Casey Mize and Matt Manning and um, Spencer Torkelson. I mean, I don't expect that. The, I think the Tigers will do everything possible um, not to use you know some of those guys if they can help it. And you can always, you know, if you have to put someone on the 60-day IL for COVID, you can call someone else up out of the instructional leagues, but you can't just take some, you know, some dude that you just called up out of instructional league and be like, okay, well, you're in the majors now, buddy. Um, that, that's not going to, that's just not going to work. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how, you know, just, just things are, you know, teams hands are forced basically, because once you put these guys on the roster, um, it's not necessarily going to be up to them, whether or not they're the, the ones who have to play or not. Um, it, it's going to be up to, uh, old Mr. Corona, unfortunately. So yeah, I don't know. That, that part of it seems like it could be could be really interesting. Um, and also, uh, like in the fact that we might see like a Dylan Dangler come in and play in the major leagues because we have no other choice with six catchers. Yeah, I mean, what if we're you know we might be in September and you know we're down to Casey Mize and you know Matt Manning and Tarek Skubal and Alex Fajardo as, as our you know our starting rotation options. And yeah, you might have Dylan Dingler and J- Jake Rogers catching them and. I don't. I don't even know. You might have. You Torkelson haven't at first described base. anything to me. I don't want to see. I know. I mean, I think everybody would almost be happy with this. And and again, we're here. We are again. Like thinking, wow, that would be really fun. Uh, it would just take a whole bunch of people getting getting dangerously sick. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's just you know, it's just an awful awful situation to uh, to be in, having to think about all these things both ways. But um, yeah, I mean, as we kind of pointed out earlier, like. Anything could happen this year. Like if the Tigers decided they wanted to use some piggyback starts from some of the some of the top prospects, mm-hmm. and just just you know maybe you try Jamer Candelario, and if it's not working out in spring in summer camp, you just immediately just say hell you know to hell with it. We're gonna we're just gonna promote Isaac Paredes because he was gonna make the majors this year anyway. And uh, I think it, throw him at third base. It's such a good season to try weird stuff. Yeah. Like, honestly, if you're going to do anything this year, you have 60 games, you look at a team like the Nationals that won the World's Series last year, if their season had only been 60 games long, they wouldn't have made it to the postseason. So, you look at the Tigers, who had a 10-game, crazy 10-game start last year. Yep. Like, really, like, hit it off, off right out of the gate. And you have to ask yourself, I mean, like, if they try weird things and they do some different stuff, there's no reason that they couldn't pull out a really weird cool season yeah like try like doing a ton of weird things with your pitchers like obviously they don't have all 59 players readily available to them i think it's like a but they have 30, 30. Man roster yeah. that's dropping to a 28 so I mean, you do still you know have a little extra wiggle room there's no re- i'm not saying like something like bullpenning per se but like why not i'll say it <laughs> they should though i mean yeah. not traditional bullpenning but because they have of so many quality young starters that haven't had a chance to start at a major league level. But like, why not give these guys two to three innings a piece yep. and break it up? So you're not risking the, the health of somebody like a Jordan Zimmerman and you're not pushing a guy like a Matt Manning too far to start out with. Yeah. And you've I also mean, got there's literally nothing. That, you got Michael. Fulmer there's no too. reason to limit innings. Yep. And yeah, Fulmer's back, and then you don't want to like push him too far. And you yep. got a guy like Daniel Norris who should be perfectly healthy. And also, you don't want to push too far. And like, even though we're not, you know, worried about innings over the course of a season, why not just give these guys, you know, three innings a piece and divide your games up with three pitchers and not push anybody too far? Yeah, I mean, far. yeah, especially to start and, with, yeah. I think it could be cool. So I, I think if it was me, I'd start taking like crazy 
weird, out of the box thinking and just go for it. Yep. And um, and so to to throw cold water on that, I will point out that Ron Gardenhire said the other day that he you know he expected to have a normal five man rotation. <laughs> boring. Like, Dang it's it. so boring. I mean, I don't even care if he wants to call it a boring regular old five man rotation, but yeah, I mean, there's just no reason not to do that. Like, you know, the players are going to have a you know the pitchers are going to have almost a month to to kind of get loose and start to work back toward toward their innings, and they've all been throwing um all along and working on their stuff. So it's not like I'm I'm that much more worried than normal about guys' arms, but it is a weird, it is going to be a weird situation. And yeah, like, you you know, the Fulmer thing, like Michael Fulmer shouldn't come back and start going six innings, like out, out of the gate. Like there's just no reason to do that. The only, the only couple guys who you could, you know, probably just go ahead and use as regular starters are Matt Boyd and maybe Daniel Norris and maybe Ivan Nova um, or Ivan Nova. Like, Jordan Zimmerman has been a three innings starter, you know, since we signed him, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, and you can't you can't put all these innings on Michael Fulmer, and yet you've got you know a bunch of like long relievers like Tyler Alexander, like Nick Ramirez, like those guys are are good for coming in and, and handling two or three innings, and then yeah, if you would use Alex Fiedo, Matt Manning, Casey Mize, um, Tarek Skubal is an absolute you know bullpen weapon on the level of Josh Hader. If he even remotely knows where the fastball is going, um, yeah. no, nobody's going to handle that. Um, that might be the best fastball in the minor leagues. So um, if they wanted to get creative and, and actually try to win, that that would be the way we would, we would suggest. Um, you know, maybe you start out keeping Mize Manning and Scooble, you know, in the, in the, in the camp, you know, let them work and, and throw some practice games and kind of, kind of get used to the situation and, and get ready. But at some point, um, the, the odds are good that their number is going to be called. So you might as well just make the decisions yeah. and, um, and, and yeah, try to use them in those piggyback start styles. Um, and the Tigers could really surprise some people. You know, if Isaac Prades happens to hit, well, you've added Austin Romine, CJ Crone, you've added Jonathan Scope, you've added Cameron Mabin. Um, you know, that's a lot better offense than, than we had last year. Um, and, you know, obviously you, you couldn't really do any worse than last year. And I'm not saying that the offense this year is going to be good. <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, we saw Miggy, you know, had lost a lot of weight and had a pretty good spring. Um, if you get a, a nice streak of health from him, anything could happen. And I guess that should be the motto of this season is that anything could happen <laughs> for anybody. No, I think it's a very reasonable approach. Like, it's we can't assume the same garbage out of them because with such a short year, mm-hmm. nobody has time to get that fatigue. Nobody has time to get ground down by bad stretches. Yep. So even the, the general, like, feel of things in the clubhouse I think will be different Yeah, because you're like we've got a very short period in which we have time to accomplish something and I think anybody can look at that and say we got 60 games let's do what we can with 60 games yeah and we have that same kind of dichotomy you have like in the uh, in in the beginning of spring normally where you know the pitchers are ahead and the hitters are catching up but don't quite have their timing and and all that 100% down um, and that, that could play into it too. You know, we might see, you know, the Tigers pull out a whole bunch of low scoring games early on. And then maybe mm-hmm. the, maybe their lack of, of high power offense, you know, doesn't come into play so much because they've already got off to a good start and they've got, you know, probably as good a pitching as most teams in the league. Um, especially, yeah, considering that, you know, they use, you know, some of the guys that they could. Um, and, you know, people are worried about service time, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But I just don't think that's going to matter because, you know, for one, like we said, these guys are already there. Um, if if they're called upon to play, they're going to have to play regardless. And so some of this is already out of the team's hands. And then next year, 
all these guys are going to need to have their innings built back up, you know, kind of from scratch because nobody's going to throw more than 50 or 60 innings this year. You can't turn around and send them back out to throw 150 next year when they've never thrown that many in the first place. So they're already going to have to limit guys' innings, and I don't think we're going to see, you know, Casey Mize or Matt Manning or Tarek Skubal, you know, in the Tigers' rotation um, anywhere, be, you know, before the All-Star break next year, no matter how good they're pitching. So they're going to have to take it easy with those guys, and if they want to use them, you know, late next year, they're going to have to manage their innings and probably give them some breaks and stuff like that along the way. So there'll be plenty of opportunities to game their service time a little bit and not, and not even have to, you know, like have it just kind of yeah. happen naturally. So, well, I mean, yeah. Out those guys are going to get used this year too. I mean, beyond service time, none of them are likely to exceed their rookie limitations either. Yeah. So even if they do get used in a couple of games, there's a very solid chance they'll still be eligible for having their proper rookie season next year. Yeah. During the full season. Yeah, and you won't burn any of their so options. Stuff- there won't be any yeah. need for any of that. So. Yeah, so that could be interesting. And then I guess like the the one wild card here is Franklin Perez, who showed up to camp and actually pitched a little bit um, this spring, which was encouraging and may convince us to put him back on our prospect list, although I've still seen so little of him in the past two years that I, I really don't know what to, what to expect. Um, he still still looks like he's got the good, you know, got the good stuff, still has the curveball changeup and a pretty good fastball, um, pretty good you know, advanced command looks, looks like he could go out there and help you out of the bullpen if he can stay healthy. So that's, that'll be another interesting point to watch, um, whether or not the Tigers just decide to just start using him or not. Um, feels like if he's healthy, you might as well just pitch him. Well, he's been kind of an interesting figure because he's one of those guys you really have high hopes for, but then every time it seems like he's gotten past that point of, okay, well, he's not injured anymore. Okay. Hey, well that, particular issues passed now we can really see what he's got to offer something else happens to him yeah so i am i am look i would love to see something out of him um because it's just been one of those like it almost feels and it's not the exact same thing but it almost feels like the daniel norris experiment right like where you have this guy who's so hyped and so talented and you want to see something great out of him but then like things keep getting in the way yeah yeah it is um and you know that's that's kind of the life of, of a pitcher to some degree. Like we, you know, Tigers fans can think of Jeremy Bonderman and a host of other guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in Perez's case, just the fact that like, he really hasn't even pitched. Like, I don't even think he's thrown a, a you know, a five inning start, um, since, since we got him maybe one or mm-hmm. two. Um, and that's, you know, that's three years ago now. So I don't know. A lot of us are, you know, fairly, fairly close to giving up on him as a, as a starter at least. Um, but he'll, he'll have a chance to, to, to kind of show what he can do. So that, you know, that, that could be interesting. Um, the bullpen in, in general will be kind of a, kind of a riot to see how they, they put that together because you've got Buck Farmer and Joe Jimenez who are locked in. And then you've got a lot of other guys who have like some stuff, but um, haven't really, you know, done anything to to claim a role or are still young, like Brian Garcia or yep. John Schreiber, or Greg Soto. Well, so that'll be an interesting place to. And they uh, released watch. Alex. And yeah. they released Alex Wilson too, obviously. So that old hand is gone. Yeah, I kind of was um, a little so surprised it, because I kind of thought that's the kind of guy that you would use early on because you're not concerned about mm-hmm. you know his workload or anything like that, and you would just kind of lean on him for a couple, you know, for a week or two. And have him pitch a whole bunch until you, you know, until you have to cut the roster down to 28 and then you would just let him go. But um, he didn't have a very good spring. So, uh, you know, on that score, it's, I guess it's not surprising at all. Well, but, so they tested him out in spring as a starter briefly, too, didn't they? Like, yep, they to, let him start a little to bit. To no 
<laughs> to, to no great positivity, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it was. So. Yeah, he wanted to, and I guess like they just had room um, based on the split squad schedules to give it a try. But I mean, his fundamental problem is he, he's never had a breaking ball anyway, and it's only <laughs> that's only going to make it worse for you when you have to go through a lineup twice. So yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Not really sure mm-hmm. what that was all about. Just uh, giving him giving him a little as a veteran, I guess, a little deference to like try something and see if he could find another path for himself. Um, but yeah, it feels like, uh, his career, unfortunately is about, is about over, but, um, yeah, I don't know. The Tigers still have, um, one spot available having added Torkelson too. So I yeah. guess we'll also be keeping an eye on, you know, whether or not teams are releasing guys and whether or not the Tigers might pick someone up or whether or not they decide to, you know, play happy fun ball and just sign Yasiel Puig and make us all go yay <laughs> briefly. Um, yeah, last I, I heard it was rumored he was headed towards the Giants, so yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, I know the Rockies just picked up Matt Kemp, so we'll see how things go. Yeah, they picked him up to replace Ian Desmond, I guess. And yeah, yeah I don't, I'm not really sure what Matt Kemp has left to author, offer. He was uh, surprisingly good for the Braves for a little bit um, no, in his last stint, but hard to Brandon, say. hear me out. Okay. For like <laughs> four years, I have advocated that an AL team should have picked up Matt Kemp because like his lackluster performance as an outfielder aside... He was, like, losing a lot of his speed and everything like that. But Kemp has always been a fairly decent hitter. Yeah. Even, even a really hits good for, hitter for for a while. Yeah. yeah. And, and hits for pretty solid power. So my theory was always Kemp would excel in a place where he could work as the DH. Yeah. And no AL team seemed to see what I saw. And now that we're moving towards a universal DH, I think it's actually kind of a genius move to pick up Matt Kemp. Because even though he's older and obviously he won't have gained any speed in the outfield i still think he probably has something to offer at bat so i think that's actually kind of a smart move if you just want to slot him into the dh position yeah well that'll be interesting too because yeah teams suddenly have to kind of you know consider that in their in their roster all those national league teams if they don't really have someone that they want to use that way yeah they, they might decide to swing a deal um but we also just don't know like how many teams are, are aggressively going to try to win this year and, and do things um, with this much you know chance involved or you know whether or not everybody's just kind of gonna you know just sort of take it as it is and just just play things out with what they've got. Um, that'll be another another interesting storyline I think to watch over the coming weeks is whether or not teams are actively you know really trying to piece together the right roster to win. Or if everybody's just sort of in a holding pattern, like we don't want to spend any more money and, you know, we're just going to mm-hmm. try to win with what we've got. And of course, like as soon as, you know, as soon as the players declined to, you know, the whatever the offers of, to negotiate from from Major League Baseball and the season was put into put into action and, and everything was set into motion. Of course, the, the owners now are pushing to have um, to have fans as well. And the to try second to generate it was like that, instant. Yep, it was instantaneous. Okay. Yeah, can we have concession stands open? Can we have fans yep. in there? How much money can we make off of this? Yep. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. And um, I like and the way things are, are trending um, with with the, the expansive uh, COVID outbreaks um, in the South and West. Apparently, like I, I really hope they they kind of back away from that at least for a little while. But then you can also take a look at you know some of the the data from a lot of the cities that had the biggest protests over the the past month. And I mean, it's been, it's been surprising, but there don't seem to be too many, you know, spikes in cases as a result of that. And and, and so my hope, my hope is that it's because people were, were outside and a lot of them, obviously a lot of them were masked most of the time as well. And I don't know, maybe, maybe tear gas kills it. I don't don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I, I think it's that there's a funny correlation between people who protest for general human rights and who also happen to wear masks. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's a fair point. Like, you know, it, there's generally some, you know, at least some conscientiousness there. And it's also maybe a factor of them just being young. Um, you know, but on average, you know, the, the protesters were, for the most part, younger. Um, I should say the protesters are because they're all still, uh, everything's still going on and no one, no one is going back to work uh, seemingly anytime soon either. So uh, it's probably not going to slow down too much. But yeah, I mean, um, I don't know, that, that may provide some argument for them that, you know, like if we keep it to 20% capacity or something, they can, they can make something like that work. Uh, I don't really have any plans to go down um, mm-hmm. if, if they do that. I mean... Uh, you know, we're all just playing it by here, by ear here, and you know, trying to watch public health officials try to sort all this out in real time, has made it you know very clear that you know it, it's just really hard to to gather accurate data, um, especially with a lot of resistance to it and you know a lot of confusion. Um, you know, in, in real time, science is is you know, a lot harder than uh, than when you're looking at things after the fact or or just studying you know kind of like an inert you know subjects. So. Um, we're all just, uh, you know, just, just on this ride with, with everybody listening and, um, you know, I don't know, but things, things could change, you know, fast and furious as they've been. So keep trying to report on it as best we can and yeah, keep, keep our eyes on the prize and I don't know, maybe the Tigers have a fun, interesting season and this all works out like God help us. Maybe that, maybe that will happen and it would be great. We can always hope, right? Yeah, we might as well. You better. We'll be hopeful about something. Yeah, yeah. The other doesn't, uh, never really helps anything. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I think uh, with that, we'll wrap it up for tonight. um, And we'll try to get back at you guys. uh, Maybe not next week because of the holidays. um, But yeah, but shortly, um, we will, once we start getting news out of camp and stuff like that, we'll definitely be jumping on. Um, And I might do a combo podcast with Mark Garage again. And we were thinking of talking to Ian Castleberry a little bit um, and just kind of get some of his impressions about this. And also I, I kind of wanted to ask him about um, the history of, of bless you boys. Um, since he was the, the founder of the site way back in the, what? yeah, oh, that's fun. Yeah. In the mid two thousands. So yeah, if I get an opportunity, we might do that and, um, and kind of chat him up um, about, yeah, how it started, um, what his intentions were and where it's gone from there and stuff like that. So that might be something to look forward to. And uh, you got your YouTube channel up and running again. There's some new content yeah, coming. Yeah, I actually have. Um, maybe even this week, I have to. It's done. It's edited. I just need to like put it out. My hundredth video. Oh yeah, right on. Oh, that's cool. One yeah, hundredth proper video, which is a a redo attempt of deconstructing a major league baseball. Oh yeah. Um, in this, it, I actually did get a major league baseball as opposed to a like cork filled accidental <laughs> like little league ball. Yeah. So anyway. That'll probably difference. be going up from maybe Thursday. Like I said, it's already uploaded on my YouTube channel. I just have to do like the the title cards and everything. It's just been really hard because work has been insane. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to so figure I out have... work from home over the past two weeks, and it's been it's been weird. <laughs> like I'm doing I'm yeah, like part I'm... part of the time I'm in the office, and then two days a week I I get to work from home. So trying to figure out how to balance that stuff is a is a bit of a trick. And I don't even have any kittens I'm... slashing my skin open all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, I just passed the three-month mark of working at home, um, and it's very hard to find time to do my other jobs. <laughs> yeah. So um, it makes it a little tricky, but yeah, thankfully I do have that episode in the can, so I will um, probably throw that up when I have time, which is actually I have the next three days off, so nice. I just do it then. 
All right. Happy Independence Day there, Canada. <laughs> it's Canada Day. Canada we Day. just called it Canada Day. Yeah, yeah. Same idea. Sure. Yeah. I, I always laugh. Like, it's always so funny, too, because, like, Americans don't seem to, like, know about it when I talk to them, because, obviously, I work for a company that's largely American-based. Yeah. Um, well, it's like your birthday so we always right have... before Christmas or something, you know, like that, that's the situation because our 4th yeah. of July is, you know, it's us, you know, and we're the best and most It's all you guys think about. So, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, on all these calls, people were talking about, someone called it like Tuesday yesterday because obviously, the, you know, it's Friday, <laughs> or Thursday or whatever, because I think everybody gets Friday off instead. Yeah. Um, so for ours, it's like, it's Wednesday. Day. it's tomorrow or yeah. today as you're hearing this and we just get the day off yeah. um but i took two extra days off because i haven't had a vacation since christmas and i'm losing yeah that's my mind good. yeah yeah do some gardening yeah. kick back yeah eat good well it's gonna be like in the 90s here for the next couple days so maybe not so much outdoor activity <laughs> yeah you know in the evening or something maybe but... yeah we'll see, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but yeah yeah for uh for, for us border dwellers um along the great lakes like yeah we're familiar with canada today but yeah i have to imagine most of the rest of the country is not <laughs> so yeah well my my favorite and this is just as we close off my favorite thing was um my mom and i have a place out in the country uh, right at the the border the minnesota border um so it's always super fun or it was before the borders were closed and you couldn't go anywhere on Canada day, you would go to the Canada day fireworks. And then usually it was like sort of along the lines of a weekend. So on 4th of July, we would just hop in the car and go to war road, Minnesota oh, yes. and go see the <laughs> July fireworks. And I can't tell you, and I'm sure everybody that lives in a small town in America knows this to be true. Small town America takes their fireworks so seriously. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it <laughs> is bonkers how much money they must spend on things like so i go from my my little small town canada fireworks show which is like you know 10 minutes long and they maybe spent a thousand bucks on it and it's fun and you have your hot dog and you go home to like three days later you go to the one in the states same population town and it's just like they probably dropped 10 grand on it it lasts half an hour the fireworks are just insane yep. and you're like all the music's queued up and you're like oh Okay. Yeah, that's and then, special. And then, yeah, and then you just drive around, and then there's uh, you know like 150 other people who individually dropped you know five hundred dollars yeah, <laughs> on, on rockets and uh, and yeah, Roman <laughs> candles. Yeah, I've I mean we've done it too. Um, especially when it when the big stuff first became legal in Michigan. I don't know when this was, maybe like ten years ago. Because before that, you had to go to Ohio, and it was like a, a subversive act to like drive drive <laughs> down there, buy a whole bunch of like big rockets, and then you know and mortars and stuff, and then smuggle it back back to Michigan. Um, but yeah, you know, it was fun. It was, you know, it was cool when we first got, got that opportunity. And yeah, me and my, uh, my ex-brother-in-law went ham a couple of years, uh, doing that. And then we, now we've gotten bored with it and we're older and now we're just all cranky that the fireworks start up, um, you know, around like Memorial <laughs> Day so and loud never and end so until late. August. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just people shoot off fireworks <laughs> around. I mean, I'm used to the sounds of gunfire and fireworks all summer where I live anyway. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah, so that's just what it is. Sorry, dogs. Sorry, poor pups out there. Oh, yeah. My neighbors love to fire guns at all times. My dogs are—they just can't. They don't. They can't deal with it. Yeah, they never get used to it. So that's what we got. You know, that's where we're at. Hard of summer. Uh, baseball maybe starting, and uh, we'll get back at you guys pretty shortly. Ashley, have a good night. You too. Happy Fourth of July. <laughs> when it happens, <laughs> it'll happen before we chat again on this. So yeah. happy. July. Happy Canada Day. Everyone have a great weekend. Yep. Take care of yourselves. Wear a damn mask. Thank you. Good night. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye.